And then, Lord, also I just pray right now for us as we open up your word. Lord, we, we want to come under the scriptures and be completely submitted to the, the word of God. Genesis to Revelation. It's an amazing thing that we hold in our hands. The Bibles we have are the very words of God, perfect truth from God. And Lord, we want to trust your words. We want to submit to your words. And I pray for help as I preach. Give me wisdom. Give me the right heart. And Lord, teach us as a church body, as we're looking at spiritual gifts, teach us and work in our midst, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And if you need a Bible, thanks, Bible Pastor Routers. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll bring one to you. 1 Corinthians 12 is on page 959 in the Bibles we're passing out. So we're taking two weeks right now, this is our second week, in the month of November to talk about spiritual gifts. And let me just start with an illustration from the life of my grandfather about why uh, spiritual gifts are so important. So my grandfather, um, 1920, 30, 40, 50, back in those decades, he was a radio evangelist and he broadcast from uh, a live uh, uh, worship gathering they had Sunday afternoons down in Long Beach, Southern California, and listen to what he said happened one afternoon. One time in Long Beach, this is while he was preaching, I stopped in the middle of the broadcast, and I said, someone, somewhere, is about ready to take his or her life. And the following Wednesday came a special delivery letter from Indianapolis, from a young woman who had turned from Christ, and she was starting to take some poison when that voice came out from over the radio. And here's what he was also saying uh, over, over the broadcast. Please stop. Jesus loves you. Kneel by your bed and give your heart to Christ. And in the letter, she said that she had been obedient and thanked me for it. That powerful? So while he's preaching, the Holy Spirit brings into his mind, there's someone listening, him or her, who's, who's going to take their life. And stop what you're doing, he said. Jesus loves you. Kneel by your bed. Give your heart to Christ. And this woman heard that over the the radio waves, stopped what she was doing, knew Jesus loved her, knelt down by her bed, and gave her life to Jesus Christ. So see, that's, that's a powerful illustration about why spiritual gifts are so important. And the reason is because they give so much good to people. That's the whole point of spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are given to us by the Holy Spirit so that we can bring good to other people. And that's, that's the most important reason we're going through this two-week series, is because the more we understand about spiritual gifts, the more we pursue spiritual gifts, biblically, thoughtfully, the more good will come to each other here and people in our neighborhoods and workplaces and wherever. That's the, that's the most important reason we're doing this series. A second reason we're doing this series is because this is an area, it's a topic on which people who love God's word can disagree. And it's not a crucial issue. We can agree to disagree and love each other. I've got very good friends who would disagree with my understanding of spiritual gifts. But we think it's important that you understand what the leaders here at Mercy Hill Church believe so that you can study these things for yourselves. That's what we're all about here. You, not just taking our word for it, but you opening up the scriptures, doing your own study. So that my goal here is to help you look at some passages, see what questions get stirred up, so you can raise your questions, talk in your home group about them, process them, wrestle with them together. That's the second reason. Third reason is, I would guess there's people here who have 
been fearful of spiritual gifts because of like plaguing questions you've got or because of bad experiences you've had with people who have pursued spiritual gifts in unbiblical ways. That happens way too much. It's tragic. And so what we're hoping is that through getting, hopefully some of your questions can be answered and you can see that what we're describing here is a careful, biblical, thoughtful, wise approach to pursuing spiritual gifts. So those are all the reasons we're pursuing this. And I want to start with the same question we started off with last week, and that is why, once again, are spiritual gifts so important? And to answer that, look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 11. He says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, and that's just another word for spiritual gifts. Here he describes spiritual gifts as manifestations of the Spirit. So to each one, each believer is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. So those gifts are when the Holy Spirit gives you wisdom or knowledge that you can share with someone else and it brings them great benefit. Okay? Verse 9. To another is given faith by the same Spirit. Now that's different from saving faith. Throughout our Christian lives, there will be times where God supernaturally gives you, I'm sure many of you have experienced this, a a confidence that God's going to do something. You just know it. Because the Holy Spirit has given you that just knowing it. It's not that you're drawing conclusions from circumstances, whatever, but you just know God's going to do something. And then you can pray about it, you can act on it, whatever it might be appropriate, but that's what the gift of faith is. Keep going in verse 9. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. That's where God supernaturally heals someone. God does that. Verse 10, to another, the working of miracles. Okay, that's anytime God supersedes natural laws. Okay, like when Jesus calmed the wind and the waves. All right. To another prophecy. That's when the Holy Spirit spontaneously brings to your mind something he wants you to share with at least one other person, and it will bring them great benefit as you do so. We talked more about that last week. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. That's when you can supernaturally discern whether something's from the Holy Spirit or not, discernment of spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues. This is a very controversial gift, and way too much importance is put on it, I think. So not everybody can speak in tongues. Not everybody's supposed to speak in tongues. Tongues are just one of the gifts, okay? And it's it's just very simply where God gives you the ability to speak in a language that you've never learned, and that will build up your your own faith, your own walk with the Lord. Then the uh, next one is to another, the interpretation of tongues. That's where the Holy Spirit gives you the interpretation of what somebody else is speaking in the gift of tongues. And he says, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now, did you catch in that passage why spiritual gifts are so important? Look at verse 7 again. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Spiritual gifts are for others' good. As born-again 
men and women, we, we've put our trust in Jesus Christ, and the moment you did, all your sins were forgiven, clothed with Jesus' righteousness, justified like Paul was bringing a spiritual gift earlier to, to remind us of that beautiful truth. So we're forgiven, we're clothed in Jesus' perfect righteousness, and the moment we put our trust in Jesus Christ, God's power is changing our hearts. And one of the biggest changes that comes about is that from that point on, you long to do good for people for the glory of Jesus Christ. You long to do, do good for as many, do as much good for as many people as you possibly can for his name's sake. And so you, you long to do good for your neighbors. You long to do good for the people at your workplace and for the people in your home group and for your brothers and sisters here at Mercy Hill who aren't in your home group. We, when, when, when God saves you, you long to do good. And the good news is God will give you spiritual gifts at various times. And by means of those, you'll be able to do great good for other people. Now, spiritual gifts aren't the only way we can do good for other people. Natural abilities, whatever, all these things come into play. But spiritual gifts is one way that God will enable you to do great good for other people. And I want to stress that because the point of spiritual gifts is not so that you can like have a badge that you, you, you brought a spiritual gift at some meeting, or it's not so that you can just feel better about yourself, or other people will be impressed with you. That's not the point at all. The whole point of spiritual gifts is because here God gives you something and you can share it, you can act on it, you can pray it, and good will come to people around you. And as born-again people, that just like, your heart just goes, yes! Because our longing by being saved is to do as much good for as many people as we possibly can for the glory of Jesus Christ. And that's the point of spiritual gifts. Now some of you might wonder, well, are those kinds of supernatural things still happening today? Because you see crazy things happening on TV, and you hear just stories of you know people doing goofy stuff, and, and that's like way over here on this extreme. It's not where we are, okay? There's another extreme over here. It's kind of like, well, if, if that's what it means, then we're staying way over here to play it safe. But the Bible calls us to earnestly desire spiritual gifts, and that's the kind of the middle road we're seeking to pursue here as a church. And the question of whether spiritual gifts are still being given today is, is a topic on which people disagree. We talked about this last week. I'm just giving you a brief recap here. The passage I would encourage you to study for yourself is 1 Corinthians 13, verses 8 through 12. Look at that passage. Study that passage. It's a crucial text. In that passage, I'm not going to go over it again in as much detail as last week, but I do want to, in case you weren't here last week, and to re- refresh your memory for those of you who were here, Paul says there that there will be a time when supernatural spiritual gifts stop. There will be a time. It's when, Paul says, the perfect comes. And so the question is, what is the perfect? When has it, does it, will it come? What is that? And some people teach that the perfect coming is the, is the, uh, the, the, the finishing of the New Testament, Matthew through Revelation. So the moment that the New Testament was completed, that's when the perfect comes. That's like A.D. 70. And that at that point is when spiritual gifts ceased. I'm not sure that fits the passage well enough, though. Because Paul says dramatic things happen at that moment. Like before that, the church sees through a mirror dimly. After that, the church sees face to face. Before that, we were like childlike in our knowledge. After that, we become adult in our knowledge. And what, what seems to me to fit the passage better is to understand the perfect coming as Jesus coming at the end of history. The second coming. It's at the second coming that we go from seeing through a mirror dimly 
to seeing him face to face. It's at the second coming that we go from being childlike in our knowledge. We have the scriptures, but oh, there's so much more we need to understand. There's much more clarity. And then we'll see what we'll be like adult in our knowledge. Through a mirror dimly, face to face, when Jesus Christ returns. That's what I think is the most clear interpretation of that passage. But again, our passion here is that you would study that for yourself. Ponder 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 10. So my conclusion is that the gifts did not stop in A.D. 70 when the scriptures were completed. My conclusion is that, is that the spiritual gifts will cease at the end of history when Jesus Christ returns. Now, is there any evidence of spiritual gifts throughout church history? And let me give you a quote from Irenaeus. He was the Bishop of Lyon, France. He wrote this at around 200 A.D. So this is after the scriptures were completed, like 130 years later. And listen to what he says. He says, Christ's true disciples, having received grace from him, use it in his name for the benefit of the rest of men. See, there it is again, right? What's the point of spiritual gifts? We use them for the benefit of others, the rest of men. For some, drive out demons with certainty and truth, so that often those who have themselves been cleansed from the evil spirits believe and are in the church. And some have foreknowledge of things to be, and visions, and prophetic speech, and others cure the sick by the laying on of hands. And why should I say more? It is not possible to tell the number of the gifts which the church throughout the whole world uses each day for the benefit of unbelievers. That's a powerful quote. Irenaeus, Bishop in Lyon, France, 200 AD, describing the church, benefiting people, helping people, freeing people, healing people, loving people. It's powerful. So, This is why we believe that Paul's command, 1 Corinthians 14.1, where he says, pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, we believe that's a command we should continue to obey today. It's a command that he gives to us. And it's still important for us to pursue spiritual gifts and to earnestly desire them. Let me give you one more example of how spiritual gifts benefit. Look at Acts 13, verses 1 through 3. You know, I forgot to look up the page number. Can somebody look up the page number for Acts 13 and tell me? 121? 921. Thanks, Chuck. So look at Acts 13, 1 through 3. This is a beautiful description of how spiritual gifts bring great benefit. I love this story. Acts 13, 1 through 3. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a member of the court of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Okay, now, the word spiritual gift is not used here in this passage. But that's what's going on, okay? We don't know exactly 
how this all happened, but let me take a stab at it. So here's these prophets and teachers, and they are worshiping the Lord and fasting. They're, they're before the Lord. They're praying. They're seeking. They're probably praying for their church. They're praying for the, the, you know, the areas where there's no churches planted. So they're before the Lord. They're worshiping. They're fasting. They're praying. And as they are doing that, the Holy Spirit spontaneously brings to, to one of their minds the thought. And it's, 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 there's a sense of God's presence with the thought and the glory of Jesus with the thought. It's the thought, we should set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work that he's calling them to. And so he he probably shared it with brothers. I think the Holy Spirit's saying we should set apart Barnabas and Saul to go do this work. And maybe they had more details as to what that work was. And and the rest of the the rest of the, the brothers there, let's pray about it. So they, they all prayed about it. Lord, is this from you? And somebody said, I Yes, I'm sensing this is this is from the Lord. See, because you can't check that with chapter and verse in the Bible, right? There's no verse you can look up to see is that what God's saying now? No verse. This is just you got a Holy Spirit. It's not unbiblical. That's the first check you got to ask. But Holy Spirit, is this from you? And one of the brothers just said, "Yes, I, I sense it is." And somebody else said, "Yes." And and of course, Barnabas and Saul had to, had to get confirmation too, right? It's like, yes, this is from the Lord. And so there was this confirmation from the prophets and teachers that were there. So. They laid hands on them and they sent them out. And think of all the good that came from that one spiritual gift that started off with that one person in that group. First of all, Barnabas and Saul knew what God had called them to do. That's helpful to know what God's calling you to do. The church at Antioch knew what they were supposed to do with you know, Barnabas and Saul. Can you imagine having these like heavyweights in your church like Barnabas and Saul? It would take a call from God to send them off to go plant a church, right? You're sending away your best, probably. And the church obeyed, knew God had called them to do that as a church. So the church knew what God called them to do. Saul and Barnabas knew what God had called them to do. And then I made a list of all the things that happened through them going out on their missionary journey. Great good came to those whom Barnabas and Saul went out to take the gospel to. For example, the proconsul on the island of Cyprus, government official, was saved. Gentiles in Pisidian Antioch were saved. Many Jews and Gentiles, Luke tells us, in Iconium were saved. A crippled man in Lystra was saved and healed. Many were saved in Derby, and many churches were planted. So this one spiritual gift, just this outflow of great good being brought to a great number of people. And and see, that's why spiritual gifts are so important. Like what if God's going to call, like, I don't know, like Ian and Maria, send them off to some work that we've called them to, or, or, you know, Josh and Rochelle, send, I mean, we want to be before the Lord and understanding that the Holy Spirit can speak in those ways so that then we know what that is and we can respond to it and do whatever God's calling us to do as a church. Think of the good that could come if God spoke and, and sent somebody out here to go do some, some work like that. So that's one of the reasons, again, just an illustration as to why spiritual gifts are so important. And can you see that having the completed scripture doesn't mean that's not needed? Do you see that? Having the completed scripture doesn't mean that this prophecy is not needed. Because this prophecy is not spoken anywhere in the Bible. The Bible tells us that there will be times where God will speak to us in those kinds of ways. Acts 13 is a perfect example. And so we need the scriptures. We love the scriptures. The scriptures are our authority. Any spiritual gift has to be subject to the truth of the scriptures, has to be used in subjection to the scriptures. But the scriptures tell us to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. It's in obedience to the scriptures that we're obeying, that we're seeking to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. 
Okay, so are you getting the point that the main reason we're passionate about spiritual gifts is because they bring great good to great numbers of people. It's not the only way good comes. You can do all kinds of good without spiritual gifts, but that is one way that God has given to us. And we want to do the most good we can do to the most number of people. And so let's pursue spiritual gifts because that's one of the ways we'll bring great good to people. Okay, now, Another question I wanted to cover today, and that is, how do I receive spiritual gifts? How do I get them? How does that happen? Some people teach, this is what I was raised with, and I think there's some, tr- some truth to it. That's not the whole story. But some people teach that the moment you're saved, you receive one or more, maybe two or three, Spiritual gifts. The moment you're saved, you receive spiritual gifts. And you will discern what those are by seeing what you enjoy doing and what's bearing fruit in your life. And that as you discern that, those are the gifts you should focus on and you don't want to worry about the rest because he's given you these gifts. That's what I was taught. And again, I think there is some truth to that. So when I first became a Christian, senior in high school, summer before, um, God was doing, this is the end of the Jesus People Movement. This is an amazing time. And every Friday, there were 50 kids from my high school who met in a classroom of a Christian math teacher. And 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 I was teaching that, and God was, in, and they weren't there because of me, but God was just using the teaching. And, and I loved it, I enjoyed it, and there was fruit from it. And so I thought, okay, I've got a gift of teaching. And so I'm going to focus on teaching. I'm not going to worry about like discernment of spirits and that other kind of stuff. I just, my, my, my job is to teach. Okay, because that's, That's the background I was raised up in. Now, like I said, I think there's some truth to that model, but I think all the implications don't fit what Paul says in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians. Look at two verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Verse 1. We looked at this last week, but look at it with this question in mind. How do we receive spiritual gifts? 1 Corinthians 14.1. Paul says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Okay, now why, if I've already received my gift of teaching when I was first saved in high school, why would I want to, need to, earnestly desire spiritual gifts? I've got my gift. Why do I need to desire other gifts? Right? I've got the one I'm supposed to use. And the only reason that Paul would call us to earnestly desire gifts, tells the whole church at Corinth, earnestly desire gifts is because that means God will, can and will give us different gifts throughout our lives as we're earnestly desiring them. So the fact that I have the gift of teaching, beautiful, okay, but he may want to give me a gift of prophecy at home group this week, even though I've never had that gift before. He could do that, okay, or whatever it might be for you. So that's one verse that shakes up that model I described a little bit. The other verse is 1 Corinthians 14, 13. Look what Paul says there. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray for the power to interpret. Okay, so tongues shouldn't be heard unless it's understood, which means there needs to be an interpretation for it. And so what Paul is saying is that if if God brings you a word in tongues then because for that to be of benefit to anybody else needs to be interpreted, so you would pray then, give me the power to interpret it. And what that must mean is that you're asking God for the power to interpret, you're asking God for that gift would be the means that by which he would give you that gift. He would answer that prayer and give you that gift that you didn't have before. 
So earnestly desiring spiritual gifts and praying for spiritual gifts can bring us gifts we haven't had before. Otherwise, why would Paul say, earnestly desire spiritual gifts and pray for the power to interpret? Do you see how that works? Now, here's, here's how John Wimber described this. He was the, the founder of the, the Vineyard Movement. He's with the Lord now. I, I brought a little, little toolbox here. Got it. So he said, here's my toolbox, okay. I cleaned it all up this morning. Anyway, he says that, that it's like God gives you a toolbox which is empty, and so you, you, you know, you're going to home group with your empty toolbox or, or you come here on Sunday morning with your empty toolbox and you're saying, God, I earnestly desire your gifts and I'm praying for gifts. And let's say you're at home group this week and you've got your empty toolbox. You're earnestly desiring, you're praying, and you can be confident that as you do that, God will give you whatever tools you need in order to help your home group Wednesday night, whatever he wants you to, or Thursday night or Friday night, whatever he wants you to do in order to bring benefit to other people. So you got an empty toolbox. And so Wednesday night you're there and you're praying and, and they say, oh, let's see what God gives me. Oh, okay. All right. So this is the gift I'm going to use tonight. And maybe, actually that looks a little dangerous for somebody. Let's think of something a little bit less scary looking. Okay. All right. You're going to help people. You're not, you're going to, you're helping people with this gift. Okay. But that's how it works. And then the next Sunday, it, it might be something different. All right. That's all I brought. So the, the point is you've, you've got a toolbox and you're earnestly desiring gifts, and you're praying for gifts because God will give you whatever you need as, as you're in your neighborhood, seeking to do good for people, as you're at the workplace, seeking to do good for people, as you're in your home group, seeking to build them up, as you're here Sunday mornings, seeking to bless your brothers and sisters. Our toolbox is empty. We hold it up say, Lord, give me whatever I, I need to do your will tonight, to bless your people tonight, to, to strengthen the body tonight, to, to touch lost people with your love today at work, whatever it might be. And God will put in the toolbox whatever he wants you to have, whatever he wants you to use in that particular setting. And it could be different from what he gave you yesterday or the month before or the day before. Now, you can ask questions about that if, you, if you'd like to in a moment. But with that, I want to move to one other last question before we open it up for questions, and that is, how should we share spiritual gifts with each other? And I want to give you two biblical principles. Uh, first one, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Gifts are for the benefit of other people. And if you will keep that principle in mind, this is to help other people and bless others other people and love other people, that'll help avoid a lot of problems that can happen with spiritual gifts. Paul says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So you want to share spiritual gifts in the way that will bring good to other people. Okay? For example, let's say that God, by the Holy Spirit, gives you information about somebody else else's personal life. And that can happen. Okay? Um, you wouldn't share that on a Sunday morning, right? Or in home group even, for that matter. If, if he gives you something of a personal nature, you'd share that with that person privately. They're going to need to pray about it. Is that from God? It may not be. It may be. They'll need to pray about it. And, and they, if they want to share what God did with their home group or with the broader body, that's their call. So you just go, you just go anonymous on this one. No, one's ever, no one may ever hear about this spiritual gift that you've received. But the goal isn't to be known by other people about it. The goal is to be of benefit to the people that are, who, who need the gift. And so if you receive 
personal, private knowledge about another person, you share that personally and privately with them alone. Okay, another example. If you sense maybe the Holy Spirit is giving you uh, a, a way we need to make make some course changes as a church, like maybe you're you're sensing the Holy Spirit saying that we we should start a ministry to teaching English to non-English speaking people. Okay. We would love to hear that if you're sensing anything like that, but that's probably not so effectively shared here Sunday morning because we really can't do anything with that here. I would encourage you to share that with Jerry and me, the elders, and be sure with your home group leader first, share it with the elders. We will pray about it. We may ask, hey, come and pray with us about that. Let's pray and, and ask if that's really what the Lord's doing. So you just think through, how can this gift bring the greatest benefit to other people? And then you share it along those lines. So you share gifts in the way that bring the greatest benefit. Second principle. Gifts come with varying levels of faith. Look at Romans 12, 6. Romans chapter 12, verse 6. I didn't look this reference up either, Chuck. 948. Man, you are on it. Okay, Romans 12, 6, page 948 in the Bibles we passed out. I pulled out Tom Schreiner's commentary on Romans and was really helped um, with what he said about this passage. I believe what Paul's saying here, let me read the verse. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy, in proportion to our faith. I think what, what Paul is saying here is that God can give you, a, say, a word of prophecy with varying levels of faith as to whether it's from God or not. I mean, God could could bring something into your mind and there's the sense of his glory in your heart with it and you're just, you're, you're, you've got faith that this is from God. Or, I'm sure you've experienced this, I have, he could bring you something in your mind and, and there's just a little sense of the Lord's presence and you've just got a little faith that maybe it's from God. Okay? And so what Paul would say here is share your gift in a way that fits what faith you have, how much faith you have, okay? So if you sense strongly, this is from the Lord, don't say, thus saith the Lord, first of all, okay? That's Old Testament prophet language, that's New Testament apostle language, all right? So we don't do that here, all right? That's Bible talk, that's for Bible authors, that's done, all right? So don't say, thus saith the Lord. Now, the not everybody who says that means what I just said they're meaning, but it can be confusing, and there's no need to say that. So, if God brings you a gift of prophecy that you feel strongly, Jesus' glory is in this, and you've got faith this is from God, you could say something like, I really believe this is from the Lord. Let me share it, and then you weigh it, okay? That's how to share those kinds of spiritual gifts. Or if you like, you got it, and it's just a little bit of this, the sense of Jesus' glory, and just a little bit of faith, you'd say, I'm really not sure if this is from the Lord or not, but out of obedience, I'm going to share it. Please weigh it. Please pray over it. And then they will. See how wise that is? So important. So share your gift in a way that fits how much faith you have. So those are, are two principles that I think will help us avoid a lot of difficulties. Okay, now, what questions does this stir up? Are you understand what I'm saying? Andrew's got a question. Thanks, man. I don't think I'm not sure you're on. There you go.
an aptitude which you have ongoing versus a, a one-off, something that God all of a sudden does. And uh, I am not sure the answer to that question. Let me just say first and foremost, okay? Um, like, just take me. I, th- I think I have an aptitude for teaching, but I also know that there's times where I feel like God's really gifting my teaching and times where I'm not getting quite as much of a gifting, okay? You know those times, right? Um, and so what's the, what's the connection between those two? I, I, I'm not sure. I would just encourage you, use all the aptitudes you've got Right to bring good to other people, ask God to bless them, and then be be uh, earnestly desiring and praying for the the one offs, as you put it, the the times where God can break in with something maybe you've never experienced before and work. So I would, let's just do it all, okay? So use all your aptitudes to bring as much good to as many people as you possibly can for the glory of Jesus Christ, and earnestly desire and pray and see what God might bring. So anybody else can weigh in on that question? It's a good question. Let's send me. Absolutely, right? Everything we have is a gift from God. So any any aptitude I might have for teaching is totally a gift from God. Um, how much God chooses to bless it or not at varying times, that's, that's, a, that's another dynamic going on there. So but you're right. We all have to acknowledge every aptitude we have is a blood-bought gift from Jesus Christ given to us. And we are devoted to him in his glory. Yes, Josie. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I can tell you one story, okay? Uh, a friend of mine, Ray Fertig, this is many years ago, down in Southern California when we were down there. His boss had uh, come down with severe back pain. If I remember the story right, maybe Jan can help me with this, but um, I think he asked his boss if he could pray for him. This was at work. And I think his boss said he'd rather not, if I remember right. But he said, well, I will pray for you tonight. And the boss said, well, thank you, because he didn't want to be embarrassed. And so so Ray went home that night, sat down with his wife, Kathy, and, and they prayed for the boss's healing of his back pain. And that night, uh, as the boss was asleep, he all of a sudden woke up. And this is exactly what he'd said to Ray the next day. He said, I felt like somebody was twisting my back, and it was snapping and popping, and my pain is gone now. Okay, so... Um, Ray was just very gracious, and he, he didn't. He just was obe- being obedient to pray for somebody who was in need, and and, and I, so, um, I think if we soak ourselves in the scriptures, follow First Corinthians twelve thirteen and fourteen, and and seek to love other people, I think we'll avoid most most problems like that. But who else? Somebody else chime in on. We want to we want to honor the name of Christ. We don't want to dishonor Christ's name. Chris, thank you. Good. Yes. Oh man. Well said. Humility. Glorify Christ. Love the person. Glorify Christ. Somebody else on that? Carl, did you have your hand up? No. Anybody else on that question? Yes, sir. Be loving. 
Yeah. Yes. Good. And just be, be real, be humble, be loving, be natural, be naturally supernatural. Um, good. What else? On, on that one or another question? Yes, sir. Thanks, Chuck. Me too, yes. Yes, good. Thank you. A lot of wisdom there. More questions. So, last call. So here's here's my encouragement. Um, as you head into your afternoon today, as you head into work tomorrow, as you as you're talking to your neighbor out on your front sidewalk. Remember that you've got the toolbox, okay? And, and earnestly desire spiritual gifts and pray, Lord, bring me, bring me whatever I need now to help my neighbor, to help this person I'm working with, if you're having lunch with him or whatever. And ask the Lord and earnestly desire and watch what the Lord will do. Or as you're anticipating a home group Wednesday night or Thursday night or Friday night, drive there, maybe even take time earlier in the day or, or when you're walking in the front door and just say, Lord, I want to bless these people. I want to bring good to these people. So you earnestly desire spiritual gifts. You, you, you ask for spiritual gifts. And watch what God will do. And then as we come here Sunday mornings, one of the reasons we take this time at the end of worship and ask God to bring spiritual gifts is because he will bring great good to people that are here. And so you, as you're driving to church, maybe you take some time on Saturday and you pray and say, Lord, give me a gift to help your people, to build up your body, to bring glory to Jesus Christ tomorrow. And see again, as born-again people, our hearts beat strongly with a passion to do as much good for as many people as we possibly can. That means we, we help people. That means we, we pray for people's healing. We especially want to bring people to salvation so they avoid eternal suffering. We want to encourage people, comfort people, build up the body, strengthen faith. And so we're asking the Lord, come. That's, that's just something in our hearts. We want to do as much good for as many people as we possibly can. And spiritual gifts is one way. So that's why I want to call us, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Earnestly desire them and pray for them. Study the scriptures to see how they operate. And watch what God does. And take the risk, like Mike said, in love and humility, as Chris pointed out, with your heart set on glorifying Jesus Christ. And even more good will come to this body here and to lost people that we know than if we had not pursued this. So let's stand. I want to pray this over us. Lord, I pray for for me and I pray for this body. We're seeking to be obedient to your word. 
We're seeking to understand 1 Corinthians 14, 1 and 14, 13 and Romans 12 and all these passages. And we want to obey your word, Lord. So I pray that you'd help us. I pray for those who have had uh, no background with this whatsoever. And this sounds very foreign, very strange. Just give them grace, Lord. Give them mercy. You're so tender. You're so gentle. And just help them, encourage them, teach them. Meet them right where they are. I pray for those who've had terrible experiences with with spiritual experience, spiritual gifts because of people who were not using them biblically. I pray that you'd meet them. I pray that you'd free them. I pray that you'd comfort them. I pray that that they could sort the truth from the false falsehood. Do that, Lord. I pray for those who maybe still have some big and important questions about spiritual gifts that you would give them grace as they study. And as they continue to wrestle with these things, maybe in their DNA groups or in their home group, Lord, that you'd help them open their minds to understand what you've said in your word, I pray. Lord, I ask for all of us. We want to bring good to people here, our brothers and sisters. We want to bring good to those in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces. We want to see people saved. We want to see people thriving in you. We want to see people freed. Lord, pour out your gifts upon us, we pray. Pour out your gifts for the glory of Jesus and for the good of those around us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.